0: Good morning, church family. My name is Kelly, and if you can um, get back to your seats, <laughs> uh, our scripture reading today is found in Jonah chapter one, verse seventeen, to chapter two, verse ten. And let us stand for the reading of God's word. Now, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. And he listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas. And the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Well, if there was, hello? If there was ever a scripture Kelly should read, it was that. So thank you. Kelly, and when I read it to my boys this week, all they heard was vomited. Um, That's it. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, Chapter 1, verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights for so many Church people and not church people. If you asked them what Jonah was about, it kind of stops and ends with this verse for so many people. So much has been discussed and debated about these words, about Jonah being in the fish. Did it really happen? Is it possible? Um, Is it not possible? And somehow all of Jonah, all four chapters gets kind of reduced down to one verse about whether it could happen or not. For some people, when they hear this verse, um, it, it, it's a stretch. It feels like in their rational brain, and our rational brain, there's just no way this is actually possible. And so some are more comfortable thinking of this as a parable. And yet for some who think of this as a parable, similar problems come up. Um, no, it feels like this is an actual historical event. And I, in this room, I suspect there are, and I know because I've been at Lake Avenue long enough, uh, there are people from both perspectives. And so. This isn't the point of the scripture, but we're gonna spend a little bit of time on this because it's important to point out that no matter where you are, whether you think it actually happened or, or it didn't actually happen, there's problems with being uh, someone who camps out pretty hard on one side of this. Right? For those who, who look at something like this and they go, there's just no physical way. There's no possibility. I, I say to you, I encourage you um, to, to be open to the idea that not everything in this world can be explained. And that there are crazy things that happen, and especially when God is involved, there are kinds of miraculous things that happen. The word miracle exists, and the scriptures are full of these kind of moments. But for those of you who don't have a problem seeing the actuality of this, I just encourage you to realize that's really not the point of the story. And it's possible that you can think this happened in history and miss the whole meaning of what's really going on here. I love this quote from Sinclair Ferguson in his book, Man Overboard, when he says, too much discussion about the great fish can divert us from the real issue. The narrative is not really about the fish at all. It only has a walk-on part in this gripping drama. Focus on the great fish and we may lose sight of the great God. Brothers and sisters, if Jonah for you is about him in the fish and whether it happened or not, I just want you to know we're missing the point. We can be so wrapped up that we miss the whole meaning of what is happening. But it would be a little weak of me just to kind of be neutral on this, so I thought I'd take a moment to share with you how I see this moment. Um, Greg shared with us last week that when you translate what's happening here, so many times it's Jonah and the whale, it actually means huge fish. It was a great sermon, Greg. And Greg actually is preaching in Kamuna at Second Service, so if you want a double dose and you want to hear Greg translated, you can go to Kamuna and hear him preach. Um, and I just happened to have gone fishing about a week and a half ago. In fact, I'd like to show you a picture of my best catch on this fishing trip I went on, because I'm pretty proud of it. Is it up there yet? Where's my fish? <laughs> There's my fish. Uh-huh. Um... Yeah, so I got to go away with nine now friends, uh, all pastors, and we got to go up to northern Canada and fish for a week, and it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and this is my 42-inch pike. I'm very proud of this fish, and we were pulling out fish like this all week long, but on our second day of the trip, we were at lunch. We would catch enough fish for lunch and then go up onto the shore, and the people who were hosting us took care of everything. It was, again, once-in-a-lifetime And as we were looking at our catch, one of my friends on the trip, his name is Rick. Rick is pulling out a fish he got. And as we're looking at this fish and we look inside the mouth of the fish, we saw a tail coming out of another fish. And so I have a picture of us pulling the fish out of the mouth of the other fish. It was crazy. So I think Jonah happened. It's just a bigger fish. (laughs) When we pulled this fish out, the difference between the fish we caught and the fish we pulled out, it was pretty close. And so, for me, the miracle of the story isn't the possibility that there's a huge fish that could swallow something big. The miracle of the story is that Jonah was sustained within the belly of the fish. Not that it's some reach that a fish could swallow something big. But more importantly than that, and I just wanted to show you my fish, really, um, (Laughter) Jesus, if you're familiar in the, uh, the book of Mark, he actually references the Jonah story as actual history, right? In, uh, in Matthew, uh, Matthew 12, he says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He goes on to talk about Nineveh, and for me, the fact that Jesus treats Jonah as actual history is fairly convincing for me especially because Jesus and miracles go hand in glove. Um, And if the Son of Man thinks it really happened, I'm gonna follow his lead. But again, the point of the story isn't if it actually happened or not. The point is the meaning of this story. And so this morning, I just want to, for a moment, look at this incredible moment in the story and pull out three different aspects. And, And not just as neat trivia, this isn't so that we can kind of bring more meaning to a familiar story that so many of us know but really probably haven't spent a ton of time in. And so these, these observations from the text, these aspects are important, but the point of it is that you and I would find ourselves in the story this morning, that we would see ourselves like Jonah, and more than just seeing ourselves like Jonah, that we would experience God the way Jonah experiences God. And so let's jump in. First observation, the first aspect is that Jonah is stuck. Jonah is first stuck in a storm, if you remember last week, on the boat, and now he finds himself stuck in the belly of a fish. Let's remind ourselves, how did Jonah end up stuck? Chapter 1, we see that the Lord has something very specific for Jonah to do, and Jonah wants nothing to do with it. The Lord asked Jonah to go preach to a people that he frankly just did not like. He didn't want to do what God asked him to do, so he fled, he turned the other way. The Lord asked Jonah to do something, and in response, Jonah did the actual opposite. He went the other way. Jonah heard the voice of the Lord, and the command of God is optional in his life. He rather quickly made a choice against the Lord It says he arose and he went the opposite direction. Jonah was someone who saw the call of God on his life as, as an optional and had some flexibility. He was a man with options. We don't read much. Jonah didn't have to spare too much time to go the other way. He clearly had some money or something. He didn't have to sell anything or save wages to go the other way. He immediately arose and actually has the ability to charter the whole boat himself to get out of there. He was a man with options. He was looking for some distance between himself and God. He wanted some space from God. He wanted some freedom from God. And the irony is, in his attempt for space and distance and freedom, he ends up stuck. He could not get away from God because, as we've titled this series, God relentlessly pursued him all the way into the belly of Of a fish. And before we judge Jonah, isn't it true that we can relate to this? Have you ever found yourself thinking that obedience was optional? Have you found yourself trying to get some space between what God is asking you to do and the actual way you're living? To go further, does that work out for you? Didn't work out for Jonah. In the attempt to go the other way, he finds himself stuck. Have you found yourself stuck? as a result of your running? Or simply put, if you found yourself stuck in your own storm or in a belly? There are a couple of options that happen to us when we find ourselves like Jonah when we're stuck. The boys are old enough now that they don't cuddle the way they used to, and so what ends up happening is anytime they're near me, I, gr- I just grab them, and if we pretend it's wrestling, then they're okay with it. <laughs> but what they've learned is when they fight, I'm just going to get tighter and tighter. That what I really want is an affectionate hug and a kiss. And when they submit while I'm holding them, and I get what I want, then I let them go. (laughs) Right? When we're stuck, it's similar for us. We either fight or we submit. Jonah finds himself stuck now in a fish, and he's got a couple choices to make. Is he going to fight? Is he going to keep running? Or is he going to submit to God? Being stuck in the storm has a way of revealing what kind of person we really are, right? Are we the kind of person that when we find ourselves stuck, that we fight, we, we blame? Or are we the kind of people that when we're stuck or the storm comes to us, we submit? In the storm and in the belly, we come face to face with the limitations of ourselves. In the storm and in the belly, the freedom with which we thought we once had is revealed and the limitations of our real character, when we're tight, when life is tight, when it's closing in on us, it has a way of revealing to us, because when we are in the belly, we are exposed. I have a feeling that some of you this morning are in the belly right now, that you're in your own storm, and are you fighting, are you submitting, and what's being revealed to you When we are exposed, when we are stuck, when Jonah is stuck, you can't run anymore. And if we're honest, we will admit that in these times of crisis, just like Jonah, these times of difficulty, these times of being stuck, we see who we really are and how we really handle life. See, the thing about storms and being in the belly is that during these times of great exposure come the possibility of incredible growth. When we come face to face with who we are in the midst of a storm, with who we are in the belly, we have the potential to experience God in a profound and powerful way, just as Jonah did. And I can give testimony, and so many of you can give testimony to seasons like that. When we're stuck and when we submit to the Lord, we can come out more refined, more faithful, more proven, more connected to God than before the storm, than before the belly, so we ought not be the kind of people who fear being stuck. For it's in these places we enter new territory, new places with the Lord. Which is really the centerpiece of the message today is this, this prayer that Jonah prays in these nine verses in chapter two. We're gonna call it the rescue within. The meat of the text today is a lengthy prayer that Jonah offers in when he is stuck. It's happening while he is in the belly of the fish. And it contains, as as Kelly read, it's just really rich prayer, isn't it? It's pretty eloquent. I I, I think if I was stuck in a belly, I don't think my prayer would be so poetic. (laughs) See, the form of this prayer that Jonah prays is essentially a psalm you remember the Psalms, Hebrew uh, uh, wisdom literature in the Bible, uh, human expressions to God of what it's like to live in his world. And in the Psalms, there's a bunch of different kinds of Psalms, but two major categories, Psalms of thanksgiving and Psalms of lament, Psalms that we declare to God when life is working and God makes sense, and then uh, Psalms that we declare when life isn't working and when God doesn't make as much sense to us. And if there was ever a time where you and I would think that Jonah would offer probably a Psalm of lament... It would be now, but, but Jonah, stuck in the belly, offers a psalm of thanksgiving. Have you ever been around somebody that when they are in the belly, when they are in a storm, and their ability to find a way to be thankful to the Lord, doesn't that stand out to us? Last summer, Jenny and I and the boys had an opportunity to speak for a, a local church's family camp, and there was a woman that we befriended. That week, and she is an incredible woman. Three young kids, and shortly after meeting her, we come to find out that many years ago, right when their youngest was about two or three years old, her husband suddenly and unexpectedly passed away. And now she is a single mom and a widow raising three kids in Southern California with no other family near. And there was something about her. That continues to stand out to us. In fact, it's her birthday this week, and this is what she wrote on Facebook. So, so many things going on in my heart and mind. I'm tired and happy and sad and fulfilled and grateful and lonely and overwhelmed with joy and taken over by grief and ready for the next moment and terrified of the future and joy filled and wondering. This is me a week before I turn 40. I never thought I would be this me that I am today. I thank God he's carried me and held my hand to get me here. I am breathing deep. I might cry. I might laugh, but I will smile. Brothers and sisters, when we are stuck in the belly, when we experience the storms in our own life, we too, like Jonah, can be the kind of people that within the storm can offer gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord. This woman is the real deal. Not denying the difficulty of life, but in the midst of the storm, still carving out a perspective of God's presence. See, the prayer that Jonah prays is filled with this kind of intimacy and connection to God. It's filled with intimacy and connection of the living God during and within this time of crisis. How does someone do this? How does our friend write something like this and live? How does Jonah offer a prayer like this? Now, I can't give you an exhaustive answer. Greg and I were talking earlier that we could have done Jonah all summer long. It is so rich. But what I want to offer to you is when we look at the prayer of Jonah, it gives us great insight into a truth about how you and I can be sustained during the storm, during the belly as well. And and simply put, you need to know that his prayer is not an original prayer. Jonah didn't start with a blank page. In fact, when you heard it read, you probably were recalling, some of you, different psalms that had similar lines or similar language. Every line of Jonah's prayer is connected to the psalms. Just at my quick research... Within these nine verses, there are references to Psalm 59, Psalm 30, Psalm 18, Psalm 120, Psalm 3, Psalm 42, Psalm 139, Psalm 142. All in Jonah's prayer. Jonah knew the word of God. Jonah was someone familiar with the word of God. And in his time of crisis, in his time of being stuck, He was able to recall and to remember the Word of God. And when he did, his perspective changed. The Word of God helped Jonah return to God. The Word of God is powerful, the Word of God has an ability to reorient us in times of crisis. The word of God helped Jonah return to God. Chapter one, Jonah's leaving God. Chapter two, he's back with God in in, in intimacy. And, And what he is praying in between is the very word of God. The word of God is central in our times of crisis, our times in the belly to help reorient us. In our own times of being stuck, the rescue can be found for us similarly in the word of God. About a month ago, I was on a very short trip with our five-year-old, and I would say it it was a week where I was in the belly a little bit. It was a tough week. And one of the things we do when we're out of town is we find bookstores because it's the freest thing you can do. It's just sit in a children's section of a bookstore and read books and leave, and everybody's happy. And on the way out of this bookstore, there was a book that grabbed me, just the title, and I grabbed it and bought it. And I sat down in our room that night and I opened up the word and you know when you read a book right before the chapter, they put quotes or Bible verses before the actual writing happens and, and, and the, the verse that started the whole book was Micah 6.8 and the word of God literally woke me up before I read a word else in that book because I thought about my belly season I was in and all of a sudden the word of God screamed to me, love mercy. What does it mean right now for you, Jeff Matisich, to love mercy? The anxiety that I was feeling, the concern, the fear, subsided. And I realized that God was near me and that I, in this season, was going to learn something. The Word of God doesn't just help Jonah return to God, the Word of God will help you return to God too in your times of crisis. Do you have some scriptures that you have memorized, some scriptures that you have written down that you keep close? If you don't, I encourage you to do that. The first one I was encouraged to memorize as a follower of Jesus, very popular in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And if there was a, a, a pedometer on me, every time I quoted that scripture, every time I recalled it, I I can't even begin to think of how many times over my life I've declared that in times of anxiety, in times of fear, in times of a a little nervousness, I declare it every time before I preach. And God's word is faithful as it reminds us. The word of God will help you return to God as it did for Jonah. The word of God, we read in Timothy, is useful for for, uh, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, and Jonah needed some rebuking. Jonah needed some correction, and God, through his word, was faithful to do just that, and he is faithful to do just that for you and I. What I love about Jonah praying this while he is stuck is that we learn we don't have to wait for the storm to be over to be rescued. Jonah quotes scripture from the belly, and if you're going to write anything down, From this sermon, I want you to notice that before Jonah was physically delivered, he was spiritually rescued. Before Jonah was physically delivered, he was spiritually rescued. He had already found his rescue before anything else happened. The amazing part of this drama is that he does get physically delivered, which brings us to our final observation, the deliverance from... So let's just revisit for a moment some specifics about Jonah. I don't want to gloss over the context of Jonah because we've talked a a lot about storms and bellies and friends, there are times that we find ourselves in the belly of a fish. There are times where we find ourselves in a storm and it just happens because life is complicated and it just happens because we live in a pretty messed up world and we're messed up people but for Jonah, he doesn't find himself stuck because of random circumstance. Jonah is stuck because he was clearly disobedient. Jonah was stuck because God asked him to do something and he didn't want to do it. No matter how you find yourself in the belly, whether it's your own disobedience, the mess you've gotten yourself into, or if it's just a result of the complicated life of living in this world, I believe the word of God still reorients in both circumstances. So everything we've said this far, just it counts, but for Jonah, Jonah is a story about someone who knew God well. He knew God so well he could hear his voice, and he willingly chose to disobey Jonah is a story about not caring for the people that God cares about. Jonah is about someone with so much disdain for their neighbor, for those who are different, that he would rather be dead than evangelize. Jonah is about clear disobedience. And the great news about this bad news is it's hopeful news, isn't it? It's that even in clear disobedience, even in times where you and I find ourselves in a mess because we got ourselves into a mess, that God is who God says he is, and that our God looks at us in that mess as a gracious and compassionate and forgiving God. We see that in Jonah, God delivered Jonah from the mess he got himself into And this is good news for us today because you and I, we are just like Jonah. We too will ignore the call of God. We too will set ourselves in the opposite direction of obedience. We will think that listening to God is optional. That we'll fail to see people the way God sees them. We'll fail to see the value of the other person And if we're honest, we count some people as lost and not worth it. We too will rebel against the Lord directly as Jonah did and in the midst of a messy, disobedient life, God will deliver you from the mess of your life. Our God is gracious, our God is compassionate and God will deliver you and I from the messes of our lives God will deliver us from our hatred. God will deliver us from our arrogance. God will deliver us from our disobedience. I love the prayer. A few lines from it that stand out to me. From this rebel prophet. Verse two, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. God answers his children. He is not a cruel father that keeps us guessing as to what his intention is for us. He is gracious and compassionate in your distress, Lake Avenue Church. Whether you got yourself there or life brought you there, call upon the Lord and he will answer. Don't fight him, don't ignore him. Submit to him when you're stuck. Verse 6 But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Do you believe that the Lord brings us up from the pit? Have you experienced this in your life? There are so many of us, so many of you who believe that the world and life right now is just in the pit, and I don't disagree. It's pretty tough right now. But when we find ourselves in the pit, when we find ourselves in the storm, what do we do? Where do we look? We have all kinds of tricks. We have all kinds of ways that we handle life and frankly, so many of our tricks don't acknowledge that it will be God and God alone who will deliver us from the pit. We think it might be the article I post and that if enough people read it, then it will all get better. Or if we just elect the right person or don't elect the wrong person and we get the right people in and then everything's going to get better. Or we rely on some kind of uh, anecdotal situation and, we, and we just, if we just manufacture enough that we can change the situation and all of those things are not unimportant. But none of those things are God. And it is God and God alone who brings life up from the pit. It is the Lord God alone who gets his children unstuck. It is the Lord God alone who will vomit us up from our disobedience? Where does your hope for deliverance come from? Verse seven, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. This might be my favorite line in the whole prayer, and Tim did such a great job leading us in communion. You know that remembering is kind of central to the faithful Christian life. That God asks his people very early on in the story of God to be the kind of people who are people who remember. Right, so when he delivered the Israelites and the rhythms of their community, one of those was an annual rhythm to remember God's deliverance. And then at the, what we just celebrated in communion, this rhythm of, of remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. Because it's in these times of remembering that we remember who God is and how faithful he is and how he has delivered us and how he has rescued us. And so when we're in the moment where life doesn't seem like it's going to work out, when we can turn backwards and remember, it will give us fuel and strength for today. So to wrap up, aren't we just like Jonah? And that's really not the point of the sermon, how much we are like Jonah. The point of the sermon is this, that as much as you and I are like Jonah, there is no one like our God. A God who meets us in the belly of a fish. A God that rescues us from our disobedience. A God who loves us in the midst of the mess we create for ourselves, our self-inflicted messes. A God who gives us his word to heal us, to help us, to reorient us back to himself. A God who is so passionate about his children, so loving towards his children, that he doesn't leave us alone. As we close the message, I I want to close with this kind of observation that's been nagging at me the more I read uh, chapter 2. And and the the observation isn't to buy back anything I've just said, but but it just gives us a perspective and a glimpse. The reality is that the prayer that Jonah offers God from the belly, I think, is a pretty imperfect prayer. Some observations of his prayer. There's no confession in his prayer. It's not very self-reflective, self-aware. He spends a lot of time in his prayer talking about himself and his circumstances and and his own pain compared to the Lord. And he actually, at the end of his prayer, takes a dig at those people, those people who have idols. It was long ago that Jonah was running from the Lord and now he's a little self-righteous in this moment, if we're honest. Essentially, Jonah offers a very imperfect prayer to a gracious and compassionate God. And I love that about this prayer. Because guess what? Jonah isn't the only one to offer such imperfect prayers. You're looking at someone who also struggles to confess. You're looking at someone who spends a lot of time talking about myself to God. You're looking at someone who takes digs at people in prayer. And the beauty of that is, and the truth about that is, is that our God hears imperfect prayers. And he meets those imperfect prayers with grace and compassion. For our God is gracious and compassionate. So for each of us today, if you find yourself like Jonah, maybe you've set yourselves in the opposite direction of obedience. Maybe, like Jonah, you feel stuck in a mess you've created for yourself. Maybe you feel stuck in just a mess of life. Or maybe you're just like Jonah, offering imperfect prayers to God. The good news is you and I are right where we're supposed to be. You are in the right place. Contrary to popular thinking, the church isn't a place for the perfect. It's not the place for the always obedient. It's not the place where everything always works out for everybody. I love how Mike Iaconelli puts it when he speaks about the church, and he says, the church is the place where the incompetent, the unfinished, and even the unhealthy are welcome, and I believe Jesus agrees. And that's why we do this week in and week out. You and I every day have an opportunity to hear the voice of God, the word of God, the will of God in our lives. You and I, like Jonah, every day have an opportunity to choose obedience several times a day. And so we go about life, right? And we get some wins and we get some losses, but our rhythm brings us back here week in and week out. And as we come to this place, as it did for Jonah, the word of God reorients us It sets us back on track. It gives us hope. It gives us perspective. We encounter and we sing to a gracious and compassionate God that no matter how many losses we had this week, he still rescues and he still delivers. So you are in the right place, Lake Avenue Church, if you find yourself like Jonah. And our prayer is that this morning, that kind of reorientation, that kind of correction has come unto your life and that when you leave here today, that whatever the Lord has for you today and this week, that we will walk with him more than we might have last week. And the great news is that when we don't, when we try to charter our boats away from him, next week we'll come back together and be reminded again, for we have a God who is gracious and compassionate towards disobedience. Join me in prayer. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for putting this story of Jonah in your scripture. God, I pray for those who are in the storm or stuck in the belly right now. God, I pray that the word of God would fall on them in the way it fell on Jonah. And that in the time of crisis, those who are in the storm, in the belly, would experience you in a profound and real way that would give hope. God, I pray for each one of us as we leave here in a moment and head out into our day, into our week, that we would be an obedient group of people, that we would love those who you put, a path our, uh, put across our path, that we would especially have a heart for those in our own lives who are from Nineveh, that you would change our hearts to be your heart. And God, I do pray that for those moments where we do disobey this week, that we wouldn't forget your grace and your compassion, and that even in the face of disobedience, you are a faithful God who delivers us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you please stand for the benediction? Before we dismiss into this week, uh, remind you as always if you find yourself stuck or for any reason you need prayer, we'll have our pastoral team, our ministry council, our prayer team up here to pray with you. And if you're newer to Lake or you're ready to jump in a little deeper, um, our Connect folks over there by the banner want to connect with you. When we do uh, communion together, we always conclude our services with the benevolence offering. And this is the money that we use to help one another in times of crisis, times when we're stuck. This is the money we use to help those in our community, to help cover the bills when it's tight. And so please give as generously as you can on the way out. Tuesday night, we have a congregational meeting at seven o'clock and we do invite you to be here. It, it will be good. And um, please be here at seven o'clock. And as you go now into this week, go in peace and live by faith. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you now and life everlasting. Amen. Have a great week.